Snoop Aki, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Do you want to bring us back? We're not doing another Florida, Ohio here, are we? Need another one here? Got some Wait. Snoop beats. Yeah. I was going to say we're going to do a Colorado or Transylvania. <laughs> All right, so uh, Meller in for Sylvie today on Waddle and Sylvie. Listen, we started today with the concept of, hey, you know what would be smart? We should just kind of do a recap of the Bears season or kind of a let's grade certain things. You know, that's what we do in this this profession. Yes. Because the Bears season, for the most part, for all the in terms of the evaluation process, is, is come come to a close. Yes. I don't know what you can glean from what's going to happen this Sunday at Soldier Field when the Bears host the Vikings with Nathan Peterman. Under center, and it's not just, by the way, Justin Fields who will be inactive, but also Tevin Jenkins right. was placed well, on your entire offensive reserve. line. Yeah, I mean, Michael like, Schofield. Yeah, they, everyone. I, I mean, Cody Whitehair was hurt in that game. In the secondary, you got no Jalen Johnson. Eddie Jackson is out. Like, you, you know, Sanborn is out. Like, you've got a ton of guys that are missing. The evaluation process will not be enhanced, in my opinion, any, any further based on what transpires Sunday on the lakefront against the Minnesota Vikings. So if you would like to come to certain conclusions and go through the quote-unquote grading process with regard to the 2022 Bears in this current roster, I think you could do it in an adequate fashion, in an accurate fashion, despite having one more game on, yes. on, the, yes. on the schedule. And then kind of the conversation has morphed into, look, what are we expecting this front office to do? Because with Justin out on Sunday, we feel confident with no disrespect to the guys that will sh- suit up for the Bears on Sunday, I was usually one of those guys mm-hmm. in, you know, in a difficult situation. They will lose, and if they lose to the Vikings, who need to win, yes. then the Bears will draft no later than second overall, which gives Ryan Poles tremendous flexibility to do a number of different things at the top of that draft. And oh, by the way, if the Houston Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts and you lose against the Vikings, you are going to have the number one overall selection. So kind of the conversation morphed into, and also based on... Yeah, I just shared a little nugget from... from Brad Biggs. Yeah, from his most, one of his, his 10 things, his 10 things column that he does after the Bears game on Sunday. I believe he posts it usually on Monday. But within that little uh, nugget, or within that column, was just a brief little nugget where he said, the troubling thing is, what do Coach Matt Eberflus and General Manager Ryan Poles have to feel generally excited about when building this roster? Some believe quarterback Justin Fields is the long-awaited replacement for Sid Luckman. I don't know if they feel that way at Hallis Hall. And that leads to, again, to the conversation, which I think is a valid conversation. For the record, again, I think we're both in the same camp. I'm more concerned with them building a, 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 them building a team around Justin. Work on your offensive line. Work yeah. on your receiving core. Work on your front seven in terms of your defense. Work on upgrading your roster in all these other positions. Build with this young quarterback. He's been imperfect. The passing game needs to improve. Hopefully the passing game and his ability to get the ball to his receivers will improve with better protection and better receivers in 2023. Like, I would expect their passing game to make strides when there's more talent inside that offensive huddle. That's the route we would take. But Mm -hmm. we would be negligent if, in fact, we didn't also recognize that this front office did not select him. Yes, Okay, so there are no ties with regard to the evaluation process and the draft process. And there will more than likely never be a time where they will have more flexibility with cap space and with draft picks and where they're drafting than they will this offseason. 
So with that as your backdrop, I think it is a valid question to ask. Do they feel the way we feel? Are you 100% certain that Ryan Poles is going to build with Justin? Or do you believe in a quote-unquote quarterback-rich draft with them drafting no later than second? Is it going to be a difficult decision for them about what direction they want to go in the future at the quarterback position, which happens to be the most important position in professional sports and another thing that you pointed out which maybe sometimes gets lost is for all the love that justin fields has gotten for his rushing ability this season at coming close to lamar jackson's nfl record of 1206 rushing yards it was also during that season when, when lamar threw 36 passing touchdowns and had only six interceptions justin fields is far shy of those numbers when it comes to the passing stats. I believe he's thrown for like 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And again, full disclosure, bad offensive line, lack of talent at the wide receiver position, his less than impressive passing numbers are not just a product of his inability to move the ball down the field. It's what he's got around him that has factored into those passing numbers as well. But it's been historically bad. Yeah. Like, can you remember a season, statistically at least, and, I, and again, I'm not putting this fu- fully on him, can you remember a year where a team averaged, what is it, passing yardage, 130, 129.9 yards passing in a season? It, no, it, it's just abs- it's, it's absurdly low. Let's be honest. Like, if the rushing numbers weren't there, we'd have a huge problem. And again, this is not Waddle and Meller disappointed with what we've seen from Justin Fields. We're encouraged, yes. and we think there's a lot to work with. But we're asking the question, do the people at Hallis Hall feel that way? Because this is their opportunity to strike when the iron is hot. Do you believe that they'll pivot and go in a different direction at that position? I don't believe they will. I don't think they should. But we can't rule out the possibility. I think, right? I think I it's, it's, it's a fair conversation worth having. Bill is in Colorado, uh, Boulder, Colorado. Bill, do you know the funeral home owner? Sunset Mesa. From Sunset Mesa, who was selling body parts of the deceased. First off, can I uh, blow smoke off up Waddle's ass a little bit? Oh, who doesn't Waddle, love Waddle? I love you. Ass. I love you. You're the man. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, I, I was 10 years old, and I remember watching you and uh, Corey McFerrin. Wow, yes. Corey making, and I were making 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 videos. the predictions. Yes. And um Usually and I thought I was ready. Yeah. But you were wrong a couple times. Of course to I say was. Least. still am. Okay, I'll get to the point. I God forbid we trade Justin Fields. What the he, what are we thinking? What are we thinking? This is ridiculous. No. Give him some receivers. Give him an offensive line. I God for God. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it sounds, Bill, it sounds like we've struck a nerve with yeah. you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, well, it doesn't make any sense. Who are you going to do? CJ Shroud? You're going to draft CJ Shroud to replace him? Or Bryce Who are you going to draft? Oh, yeah. Who are you going to draft? Listen That's to- the thing. That's the thing about it. Is you need to understand. Like, come on. Do a do a thing. Do an A B test. Who are you going to draft from? Who also went to Iowa State? Ohio what State. Quarterback. Yep. For, what are you going to draft? Who are you going to draft? Bill. It's 
we're, we're, it's, it's you know it's we're we're uh, we're, th- we're asking the question: Is this something that Ryan Poles is considering? It, again, I and I don't and I don't trust him. I don't. I don't. Now there's I, another. I, con- I, there's another. Well, that, that's another about conversation. I, I trust him. I trust him in this regard: is that he he had major hits on Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon on some very. <laughs> Bill, uh, some very good. Okay, uh, Bill, I, I I appreciate the call. Uh, yeah, and the enthusiasm. Yes. Um. I again, let's also like let's be realistic here. Brisker, Gordon. Okay, they're nice players. I, let's slow down and calling them major hits just yet. Look, I like the picks, but I think it's valid. This again, what do we know about the new regime? We don't know a ton. This is why I think it's a question. I think it's a valid question to ask. They don't have the ties. They did not. They, they haven't spent five years with this quarterback or any of these other players. Mm-hmm. There's no ties. They didn't have ties to Roquan Smith. They didn't have ties to Khalil Mack. They didn't have ties to anybody. Like, I believe that they have a true appreciation for I, him. But I think that when you have potentially the number one pick in the draft, more cap space than anyone in the sport, and you didn't draft the current quarterback on your roster – to think that it's not a valid question as to what they're thinking, especially since we don't know what their track record is or, you know, we don't have a body of work to judge them on. I'm trying to – they have yet to extend anybody from the previous regime, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to – like Equinemius St. Brown, they brought him in, Yeah, you know, uh, in, this, in the previous offseason. That's the news today as well. The Bears have signed Equinemius St. Brown to a one-year $1.25 million extension, which by no means – will hinder them in any way with their cap. I I think like they can say whatever they want up at Hallis Hall, but we're not really going to get a good feel for who they are and how they feel until we see more than just a year's worth of their decisions. And and like I was saying when when who was his day name Dave or it was Bill when Bill, Bill when Bill was talking is look if you have questions about Ryan Poles and his ability to evaluate offensive talent and put mm-hmm. together a group of offensive players fair. Think, very fair. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't think that that's unfair at all. Like, we can sit here and talk about, I'm not ready to, to, to say Chase Claypool that, that no. that was a horrible decision. Listen, I mean, it's going to be being, a very, it's going to be a very costly decision in terms very, of draft pick. If but. you want to be very harsh right now, you know, if we don't want to give them a little bit of latitude. That looks like, right now, that looks like a bust. Looks Luke, like a bad decision at this point, but I would like to see him in the more, system yes. for a full year before I, I come to that conclusion. I don't need to make a decision just yet on yes. how, if that's a bad, but right now, that, that's, that looks bad right Does now. Does the Velas Lucas Jones Patrick, pick look like a good pick? Lucas Patrick as a free agent. No. Even when he was out there and healthy for a, a limited portion of the season, he didn't look like the answer that they thought they were getting, right? So the few decisions they actually have made on offense... And even on defense, the front seven is pretty bad. Uh, look, there there are a lot of very valid questions that are going to point it in the, be pointed in their direction at the end of this season. Yes. And whether or not they can execute this plan, they have tremendous resources at their disposal. Whether or not they make more good decisions than bad decisions will ultimately determine the arc of this franchise. Because you are in a, I think Sylvie's called it this, I mean, this is the most important offseason in the history of this free, uh, this, this, this franchise. Yes. For a number of reasons. You possibly have the first pick. You're, you're possibly moving. You're building a new stadium. Like, you have so many huge decisions that are you're, on your plate right you, now. You know, I don't even think I got to this because you were off last week. You could be uh, hiring or you will be hiring a new team president, possibly yes. Kevin Warren, 
who's the, you know, the name that came out publicly last week. That obviously will shape the franchise in a huge way going forward. So, yes, there's a lot at stake this offseason. If you are also on the fence about who Matt Eberflus is going to be, I can't blame you for that either. No. Like, I think, again, if you acknowledge or you're willing to say he's got, they've got one of the worst rosters in football, then you also have to say he's having to work with one of the worst rosters in football. But like, they haven't been able to define who they are yet. Ken is an Elsa. Kenny, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, how are we doing there? I'm a long-time listener, and I'm, I've been a Bear fan for my whole entire life. Awesome. I think, I think that uh, Paul should listen, at least. He should, go, he should get, get out there and listen with some of these GMs, especially uh, Seattle's GM, if they're interested in fields. Now, that would give the Bears the number three pick, which they'd be able to pick either Will Anderson or Carter. Mm-hmm. on top of Bryce Young or Stroud or whatever they do. Plus, they have a 19 that I would like them to throw in, and they have two number two picks. Now, I don't know if they would do that or not, but I'd be willing to listen to that. The right. reason I say that is I, I want to line up uh, my quarterback with the rest of the team that's getting picked. as uh, I want to have a five-year deal with that because uh, when it comes down to it, I don't think the Bears are – close to making the playoffs or having a playoff run maybe three or four years down the line i hear you can of course yeah you'd like to line up of course your quarterback with your players around him but the truth is more than anything if you're sold on fields being the guy then i think that decision is made the only I, i think the only way ryan poles entertains trading justin fields is if he's come to the determination that they're not sold on justin fields being the answer at quarterback because you don't want to move off a guy who you think could be the answer right and again i think that that's a uh, that's a valid question uh, we, sylvia and i asked i think sylvia asked him that question when we had ryan poles yeah. on after the chase claypool uh uh trade I, I think it's a valid question at the end of this year i think it'll be a valid question up until the draft day because they did not draft him Again, I, I, my, my, my preference is to build around him. My best guess is, is that that's what they will do. And even if you have reservations about who he potentially can be as a passer, and I wouldn't put any ceiling on him, but if you say, hey, you know what, he's never going to be Patrick Mahomes, okay, not many people are. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be you know, Joe Burrow as a passer. Okay, that's fine as well. But with the combined skill set that he has with the ability to, to, to stress a defense by running the ball, yeah. and let's say you're a top 10 passer, mm-hmm. you can get to the top of the mountain if you are better in a number of different areas with a guy who not necessarily is the, an elite thrower or an elite passer. Like, you can get there. I'll readily admit, Jalen Hurts has kind of changed my you know, opinion on where th- I think guys can go as you know as running quarterbacks. I didn't know Jalen Hurts was capable of being as accurate as he's been this season. Nick Sirianni has unlocked an Eagles offense that, you know, for the most part, is the envy amongst a lot of teams in the NFC. A lot of teams want to get to that where they're at right now. So, and, I, and when you look at look at Jalen Hurts, and it's not a shot at him at all. I mean, he's a fantastic player. I don't think he's got the skill set that Patrick Mahomes does. I don't think I, you know, I mean, if you're yeah. redrafting, are you drafting Joe Burrow or are you drafting Jalen Hurts? I'm drafting Joe Burrow. Every single time. I'm drafting Justin Herbert. But, you know, but, I, I, but 14 weeks before he got hurt at Soldier Field, you I could win a, with him. A lot of people thought that Fantastic the players. Eagles were probably the easiest bet to be in the Super Bowl. Now, the AFC has three teams, so it's hard to pick 
from those three who will be in the Super Bowl. But the Eagles clearly, with a healthy Jalen Hurts, looked like the class of the when, NFC. When you blend the skill set, his ability to run and his ability to throw, and he's a very you know he's a very good passer as well. And you build an offensive line that protects him and a group of receivers that threaten a defense. Mm-hmm. You can get to the top of the mountain with him as your quarterback, and he's a big reason why. So, like for people that that think that. There may be a ceiling on who Justin may be as a passer. Okay, maybe he won't be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or even Justin Herbert or Joe Burrows as a passer. But when you put the, the full package together, I, I, don't think you can, I don't think you can come to the conclusion that you can't get there. Let's go to Mike in the South Shore. Mike, you're on with Waddle, Meller in for Sylvie today. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Mike. Yeah, I got, I got what you guys are saying, um, but my thing is this. Uh, I, Justin Fields cannot be evaluated with the talent around him. He can't. How can you evaluate him with no offensive line, no wide receivers? I get it. There have been moments where the Bears had a chance to win through some interceptions. You just can't evaluate him. If we get this number, like Sylvie said, I agree with you guys. This is the biggest offseason in their history. Either he's going to make you or break you for the next 10 years. Yes. Keep Justin Fields. I said this to your producers. I don't know what the heck is going on in Oakland. But they just pissed off Devontae Adams. And if Devontae Adams is, is – is, if they get rid of Derek Carr, Devontae Adams is going to want to leave. I don't care what quarterback you got. He all he said on national television, the only reason I'm in Oakland is because of Derek Carr. Yep. If they get rid of Derek Carr, back up the dump truck, <laughs> and you get well, Devontae Adams. Mike, Mike, it's you, a- it's a great point, Mike, and the beauty of this is you don't even have to back up the dump truck if you're the Bears because that's what the possibility of the one or two overall pick could be to the right. Raiders who have the eighth overall pick right now and Devontae Adams. Would an eighth overall and Devontae Adams be an equitable swap for one or two? I don't know if the Raiders would necessarily sign off on that. Maybe you got to throw in a little bit, but that sounds very interesting if you're a Bears Just fan. Just make my nipples a little harder. Devontae Adams is the number one wide receiver that I think everybody would love well, here and Mike, in Chicago. Mike, what you said initially is kind of the point we've made uh, and I've made for quite some time, is that I don't know the how, how you, you come to any conclusions and any evaluation, a concrete evaluation, considering the situation that this offense put him in this year. So, like, Thank you, Mike. Appreciate yeah. the call. Let's try Dan, who's in Crystal Lake. Danny, you're on ESPN hey, 1000. Hey. How are you guys? Good. Yeah. Love the show. You know, as as long as I've been a Bears fan for in my whole life, the one thing we've never had is a starting quarterback that has just been worth his salt on every category. I, I think the one thing that we, we've got to go for is every opportunity to create that comp, healthy competition. You know, keep Trevor Simeon as – as a backup, that's great. It, but it, let's get two guys in there competing over this job that no. don't that are not only physically capable but also have the right attitude. I I hope Justin Fields is our guy. I think he looks great. I think he's incredible. I get a little concerned about the attitude. I, I'm not getting a Cutler vibe, but I'm getting concerned. You know, be be humble, be ready, look into the end zone, find Komet instead of just walking off the end out of the sideline well I, I disagree with that Dan. yeah i think i, I, I do yeah. as well like look I, as i said earlier the tangibles and the, are are with there the intangibles are everything you're looking for from a quarterback you i mean from a very 
he, early time he has been in command of that locker he room. He oozes leadership. Yes. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that I stuff. I was a little annoyed early in the year. There was a moment against the Texans, actually, after they won that game. He was short at the podium. I think he's... We all so, joked about that as well. That exactly. could be immaturity. That's age. But you know what? He's grown. And I think yes. he's... Wh- whether it was just a realization, a light bulb went on, or if someone said to him, hey, you know what? This is your window for the fans to connect with you. Since that that time he's definitely gotten a lot better expansive in his answers giving people you know what they want to hear and maybe it's come with the success on the field for him when it comes to running the football that has certainly helped but i think we've seen maturity from him this yeah. year and i'm never i'm not concerned at all about the leadership and look you can't like you have so many holes to fill you're not drafting a quarterback to compete with him no you're, yeah. you're no. using your draft pick either to to draft a difference making player at 2 or you're packaging that pick for something that is significantly greater, that has a lot of, of value to it. You're fleecing someone, and then you're going to draft a number of different guys that you think can make a difference at a number of different positions. You're not bringing a guy in no. here to compete. No, you can't do that. That's not. No. That's a non-starter. Let's try Jordan, who's in Maryville. Jordan, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, you know what? When I was looking at the game the other day at Bryce Young, one thing that I noticed and what I liked before I get into my point about your question was the was the was the fact that he had he was the anticipation of his throws. He was throwing guys open. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the big big things that Justin hasn't hasn't figured out figured out yet. So I say that to say say if if um Ryan Pohl sees that or if he sees let's say, you know what, you know, because his future Rely, lies on whether he gets the quarterback right or not. Mm-hmm. So, but the, so he has to say in his mind: Do, Should I, should I go for the go for the first, you know, the, a, a new quarterback, or do I believe in the guy I have? Only the, the only thing about that that decision that he really has to worry about is is at least if he has Fields and Fields isn't the guy, he can pivot. Yes. The problem is if he makes that trade and gets the gets the uh, a, a quarterback now, his clock starts now. So that's a tough decision, but he, he his decision that he has to get right for the longevity of his career here. No, and listen, it's a great point. Um, I don't think that that's the motivation for a second year, you know, GM. It may be for some. I don't think that is with Ryan Poles. I don't think you're worried about your job security. Yeah. I think that you you are worried about getting the quarterback position correct. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Like, you could look at the 10 years. Like, maybe Ryan Pace was clinging to to looking for an opportunity to extend his tenure in Chicago. And maybe that's why he felt it more critical to make the move for Justin Fields. Maybe he believed in some way if he had to hit the reset button with Matt Nagy, he would be afforded an opportunity to grow with Justin Fields. That's possible. I think Ryan Poles is just in he's he's so young and on the job. I think he maybe he maybe he's naive in this sense, but he thinks I want to get this right. I'm not worried about job preservation. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is, I want to get this right. So is Justin Fields the guy or is he looking at it? No, I'm maybe sold on Bryce Young or CJ Stroud as the guy who I build my organization around. I think that's the question. And I think it's a valid question considering. If he's doing his job correctly. Exactly. And it's why we're asking the question. We both feel, you know, differently. We We like Justin Fields. We think you can win with him. Yes. And I think that that the best plan is to move forward with him and try to build a better line and a better group of wide receivers. When I look inside their offensive huddle, he's the least of my worries. Yes. Agreed. Certainly at the moment. 
when you get a better offensive line and a better group of receivers, then you would think that his performance will will improve dramatically as well. That's the expectation. That's right. And yes. that's basically the approach I think that you have to take. Would would you feel better if you'd seen some things this year that comfort you, wrap you in a you know you know in a nice warm blanket, and make you feel better? Yeah, but it wasn't that kind of season. No, you weren't going to get that. Like if you're expecting, like the dude was running for his life for the majority of the season. There wasn't a ton of separation. Would you like for him to throw? You know, have have more tight window throws? Yeah. Would you like to see some more anticipata- uh, anticipatory throws? Sure. But at the end of the day, you take somebody and you put them in a hostile situation that isn't conducive to their own success. It's very hard to come to a long-term conclusion about who that player is going to be based on the group that you put around him. Lines are jammed. We'll continue to take your calls. 312-332-3776. He's Waddle. I'm Meller. Up next, we'll talk with Michael Wilbon. We'll ask him what he thinks about this possibility. And I have to imagine he wasn't too happy with the Bulls getting 71 put on him the other night. We'll ask him next here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Uh Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Guess what today is. It's Wilbon Day. Woo-woo! Chicago native Michael Wilbon. Host of Pardon the Interruption with Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Michael brought to you by our good friends at HawkAuto.com. Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Subaru, Cadillac, Mazda, NVW. All in one place. HawkAuto.com where Chicagoland saves big and Northwestern Athletics. Jeff Meller's in for Sylvie today. And today we obviously we will talk with our good friend Michael Wilbon. Michael, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Not a very happy one on the Chicago sports scene, but but happy New Year nonetheless. Yes, I mean we've got things to figure out. That's for sure, no doubt. Yeah. Hey, let's start with uh, what we all saw that that was very shocking, I think, and terrifying in a lot of ways. What transpired in Cincinnati on Monday night? Just your general thoughts about how you felt when you saw Demar Hamlin go down, and then the subsequent way that things unfolded and and going forward. Just kind of your overall thoughts. Yeah, Tom, I, um, you know, like everybody else, I was mortified. I, I was I was terrified watching it. And um, I thought well, you could see the faces on the players, the yeah. crying, the praying. And the, I, th- I, I said to my wife at the time, we're sitting there watching, I said, they're, they're done. They're done for the night. There's, yeah. there's no more playing. And I felt certain about that. Um, and then, you know, Tom, I, I talk about being old. I mean, old relative to the culture now is probably 20 years younger than what old used to be. Hmm. But I'm old enough to have been watching television live, in real live time, when the Chicago Bears, our Bears, your Bears specifically, were playing against the Detroit Lions October 24th, 1971. I was 13 years old, sitting there watching with my brother, Don, when Chuck Hughes um, was hit. A few plays later, try to run back to the huddle after being a decoy was collapsed to the ground, um, and Dick Butkus was waving his arms frantically, and in much the same way for people who are a little less old than Joe Theismann did, uh, like 14 years later, uh, like LT did when he was standing over Joe Theismann. That was a broken leg, but 
Butkus did it over Chuck Hughes, a Lions receiver who had fallen to the ground and suffered cardiac arrest. Yeah. And and here's the here's the thing about that. People say it's unprecedented. No, it isn't unprecedented because those of us who saw it saw it. I know nobody cares about history anymore, but it happened, and they played the game. Right. Mm-hmm. It was in the fourth quarter. There wasn't much time left, but they played the fourth quarter. The Lions had the ball. They gave it back to them. They didn't score on the Bears. The Bears won the game, and then Tommy at five thirty or thereabout. Chuck Hughes was pronounced dead, mm. which means the game didn't even couldn't have ended till about four o'clock Eastern time right. in Detroit. It's an hour later. The players, the Lions players, still in a locker. I immediately. Oh, you know, let's put yeah. uh, let's put Mike on hold and see if we can clean up. Uh, yeah, we lost his him line. a little bit there. Obviously, at the a very important conversation. It's, and, yeah, it's really interesting because Mike just talks about right there watching, you know, as a 13-year-old watch yeah. the events unfold, but then to get the news. We were talking about that earlier today, actually, just before the show began, and just the difference in the world, right? You're talking about that. And we also mentioned Daryl Stingley, yes. who the Patriots wide receiver, who was paralyzed on a hit by Jack game, right? Tatum. Yeah. yeah. And the truth is, though, the difference in the world at that time, right? We're, right. Everybody's watching on Monday Night Football. The, the, we're all consumed by football. We all watch it. The ratings are staggering week in and week out. So we saw, like, it's it's a different, completely Everything different Everything happens in real world. time now. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's not just, like, what was happening as it was unfolding, but also... You know, you have now social media, which did not exist. Right. Forget forget cell phones. You know, and we're, now we're you know, relying upon social media and watching stuff unfold. And it's just crazy, a completely different experience from what Michael, you know, remembers yeah. versus what we were seeing last night as it was unfolding in real time. Kind of crazy yeah. to think about. The do difference. we? Do we got? Is he? Got is, Mike back? Okay. Mike, go ahead. You, you were just talking about like having seen this before because you have experienced something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was. It's not unprecedented. It isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you got to be, uh, you know, you got to be sixty years old to to have been living in a place where that game was televised to have watched it. Uh, but it 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 isn't. And and I also covered um, the death of Hank Gathers. Now I was not at the game where he collapsed, but I was at the aftermath. And so it's always tragic it sadly there's just more of them than people can remember yeah in the moment and um you you just as mortified you don't want i don't ever want to see it again yeah but yet if you're around sports and you're watching it and you're covering it chances are we're going to see it and and luckily and and i just read this the other day guys um there was like one doctor who came out of the stands in detroit yeah. I mean, now you have policies that are rehearsed, and you have yep. they rehearse the routing of the ambulance when it leaves the stadium. They rehearse these things, and so the notion that people aren't doing enough—I'm not agreeing with that, not for one second. It's also, Mike. I think it's an important point to make because we all—I think we've all at some point pointed at the NFL and questioned whether or not they are doing what's best for players in certain aspects about player safety. And I still have gripes on certain things, mm-hmm. but we also have to point out the moments where. They deliver, and they yeah. do their jobs, and they save lives, yeah. and that was one of them Monday night in Cincinnati. Yes, because there's an ambulance close enough. First responders are close enough. In real time, they can get to you, and they, they, they 
couldn't possibly get to Chuck Hughes early enough, quickly enough in, in 1971. And, you, you know, um, but, you know, all that stuff goes through your head. It becomes very personal, even though it's not, even though mostly you're thinking of this young man. You're thinking of young Mr. Hamlin, and, and, and can he be okay? Can he recover? And I, I immediately also started calling physicians that I know, particularly people who are involved in the heart business, mm-hmm. uh, in the cardiology, in the profession of cardiology. I, I started calling people I know saying, what do you think this is? And what, what, what are we looking at here? Because you're just looking for, you know, you're looking for something encouraging. Yeah. And that wasn't always coming that night. And I had, I had cardiologists tell me, we don't know that. We don't know how long it took them to restart the breathing. And the number of minutes that it took will or could directly affect his ability to recover at all. And, you know, it, it just it's, it's so sobering. Um, and, and I also asked somebody, guys, whether or not this could have happened and had nothing to do with football. Nothing. I mean, I had a heart attack. I'm playing. I'm playing real football in my life. Right. I had a heart attack at 49 years old, and it, it, all of these, many of these things, are because you have a genetic predisposition. We don't know that yet um, about Demar Hamlin. So it's just uh, it's been an unsettling week, certainly um, for all of this. And I, I, I was in awe. Also, I should mention real quickly, I was in awe of the. People who went on camera immediately were yeah, able yes. to compose themselves. Ryan Clark, you know, and Marcus Spears and Dominique Foxworth. I, 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 just some of the guys that I happened to catch. Yeah. And I was in awe and am in awe of them, their ability to compose themselves in the moment and, and do something that's more difficult than I think I've ever had. Yeah, this is different. And, and you know, as a player and as a fan as, and as a viewer sitting on my couch, I mean, it's... You know, there's certain things that you just you, you you come to terms with as a player. Like you may sprain an ankle, you may tear a hamstring, you may tear an ACL, you may get a concussion, you may find yourself on a cart being wheeled out. But what you never actually allow yourself to contemplate is that you'll need to be resuscitated on a football field. And if you if you if that is on the front of your brain, I don't think you could go out there and actually play. Well, Tom, now to be my follow up, I was going to ask. I want to ask you that, and I'm, I'm sure you've talked about it over the last three days. But I, we just asked Booger McFarland this on on PTI. How can you then, like, how can how can people? And I'm sure you in a situation where somebody had serious injuries, or as Booger said, broken bones, people laying out there. How can you then convince yourself, get yourself to the point where you can do this, involve yourself in this very necessarily violent activity days later? How, does that, how, how can you do that? It, it's a human question. I don't think it's even just a football question. And, and I was, to be honest with you, I was going to ask you how you feel that the game goes on now with all of this. As I think the, the answer to your question is, again, is that you keep that that fear or that risk tucks so far deep in your psyche that you don't allow it to become something that consumes you. And that's why I think that if you're a Bengals player, you're more specifically a Bills player, um, you know, this is a trauma that, that, you know, is going to be difficult to kind of move on from. Right. But you have to, it's like I I tell my kids all the time, every decision you make is a risk reward analysis. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to do it in the moment, but you got to do the risk reward analysis. Should I do this or should I do that? 
And I think you have to convince yourself that the risk, albeit a risk that physically you may find yourself in harm's way because you're never going to be able to legislate violence out of this sport. But that risk versus the reward, I'm still going to lean towards the reward because I'd love to play this game and all of the stuff that it has provided me, not just the financial rewards, but it's something that I've loved to do since I was six or seven years of age. And I think you just have to have that veneer of invincibility in some ways that says, you know, this was a horrible tragedy. Hopefully there will be a happy ending to it. But the likelihood that this is going to happen again isn't very high. So I'm going to go back to doing the thing I love. I'm not telling you that's the right way to approach it. It's the only way. But you got the only Tom, And I I I hear you and I, I admire it. I admire it. I know I don't have it. And I've been, look, and I've sat with, I've become friends with Danica Patrick over the years. And I have said to Danica, how, after someone dies right, in, back car, in the car, do you do this? I've asked her that. We've talked about it um, on camera and off. Um, I've done this with boxers. And I've been at these, I've been at these things where it's happened. Um, and I admire it. I don't know that I have it. I'm, I'm fairly certain I don't have it. It, it takes a level. It, it, it probably borders between courage and delusion. Yeah, but it, 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 it's necessary. And I, I was trying to think. Okay, what, what do I like that much to risk <laughs> to that degree? <laughs> what, you yeah. know, what is it? And I, I man, um, and I think that's been on my mind ever since Monday night. The, the number of people I know, the number of former football players starting with present company that I, that I have known in my life. Uh, and I know guys who have been carted off. And, you know, I, I knew Daryl Stingley. Yeah. I knew Daryl Stingley when he had his mobility. Daryl Stingley, for those who don't know, paralyzed for the rest of his life. I'm going to say he wasn't even 30 years old as a wide receiver for the New England Patriots, born and raised on the west side of Chicago. And Daryl, after he was paralyzed in a famous incident with the Raiders, which they were almost unapologetic for. I'm sorry for depicting it that way if, if somebody apologized later, but that was at so, so much of that time afterward. It seemed like that. Darrell would come to Bulls games. I mean, during the, during the height of the Bulls run in the 90s, Darrell Stingley would come to the Bulls games. He was a man in his late 30s, maybe 40s then, a couple of years older than I am. And Darrell would be in a wheelchair. Yeah. And he was confined to it. And he would be there, and I would always stop and talk to him. I don't care how many games in a row I would stop and talk to Daryl Stingley, because, again, this is a peer who grew up where I grew up, and he, he lost the use of his body. And I never got over that. I never got past it. And, you know, Daryl, you know, wasn't with us as long as he should have been. And, uh, but, you know, these things... These 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 instances happen, and I I um, don't know how people get past them. I I don't I don't think I would ever have that much courage. It's it's interesting, you know. To kind of wrap up this portion of our conversation is is that I think the evidence is in the 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 thought that we have always we come to terms with the fact that you could. It's probably more likely that you were you will suffer a a severe head trauma. More likely than 
the tragedy that Damar Hamlin right. suffered. Right. And we, we, we contemplate that and we come to terms with that, knowing that the rest of our lives still may be. It's the immediacy of what happened to Hamlin that shocks us. But it's the long-term deterioration of, like, a human being who's played this sport yeah. that can ultimately lead to the same consequence, I guess is the best way to say it, if I'm saying it correctly. But uh, to answer your question, like, how do you process it all and still come to the, to the realization that you want to go back out there and play again, um, if you accept the responsibility and the possibility that, you know, head trauma could occur, and not only will it not show up today or tomorrow, but it may manifest itself in something horrible, horrible 10 years from now. If you can process that and get through that, I think that that's probably, you know, the genesis of where you find the rationale to go out there and right. do it. Don't know. It's an amazing dynamic. And, it is. Um, and, and yet, you know, we're, you know, most of us are going to go somewhere between the television set and the actual stadium. Like the next week, yeah. You know, we're, we're gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm not gonna watch on Saturday. I'm gonna watch. Yes. And and that there's something there even that's I don't know disturbs. I don't think well. it's ghoulish at all in any way, shape, or form. I think it's you know it's it's kind of reality. Yeah, is what it, it is reality. Yeah. And this is a injection of the downside of real life into our lives. There's no doubt about it. Important conversation with Michael Wilbon. Michael, we do want to bring it local. Uh, we'll do that next when we talk about a little bit of Justin Fields and the Bears' decision to bench him for the final game. And we also have to pick your brain about Donovan Mitchell putting 71 oh, yeah. on the Bulls. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Let's do that next. I'm Jeff Mellor and for Sylvie on Waddle and Sylvie. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Meller and for Sylvie today on Waddle and Sylvie, continuing our conversation with Michael Wilbon as we just had a very important conversation about Damar Hamlin and what we saw unfold on Monday night. Mike able to provide some perspective that some people lack. Good to hear. Mike, we do want to bring it back local, though, because here in Chicago, we got word today that Matt Eberflus and the Bears have decided, because he is dealing with a hip injury, that Justin Fields will not start for the Bears. Whether or not that would be the case if uh, the Bears actually had something to play for, play for, I think we all agree it might be a different situation. But your thoughts on the Bears deciding to rest Justin Fields this Sunday. Which will secure no worse than the second overall pick. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's basically, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm looking past it. I'm not concerning myself at all with this Sunday. Uh, it doesn't matter, except, they, you know, you need to lose the game. Um, I'm just concerning myself with, the, with what comes next. Yeah. You've got money, you've got draft picks, no excuses. You dismantled the team, even, what, even part of the team that some of us thought was serviceable. You dismantled it, you get that right, you were hired to do this job, and you need to do it your way. So do it, and there's no excuses. And do it, start now. It starts right now. It started before now because I'm sure the scouting department is looking at every, you know, possible inch of film of college players and potential free agents and all of that, and they just better get it right. You, you know, you've got a quarterback that you is dynamic and talented and can do the things you need to do if you protect him and surround him with playmakers and put a team on the field defensively so he doesn't have to score 30 a game. Um, just do it. 
I, that, that's all I'm concerned with. I don't, I don't care about this week. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't spend any time debating whether they should bench him or not. I'm, I'm fine. I don't want to see him get hurt. Um, and I, I was in favor of him continuing to play last week. We got into a yeah. big fight with my brother on this on, you know, on, on our text chain Sunday. Um, and he said, get him out of there. I said, no, he has to learn how to play. Not to mention, Tom, you can speak to this better than I can, but I, I, I can speak to it only in the quoting of players over the 40 years I've been covering pro football. The, the, the quarterback, when the quarterback, and particularly this quarterback, when he's the toughest guy on the team, and everybody knows it, he proves it over and over again, he can walk in that locker room with some real authority. He's the guy. He went out there, and he, speaking of risk-reward, we don't want the risk to get too great, but he risked it. And he continued to be out there at 4110 or whatever stupid number it was when he didn't need to be out there. And I thought the reason to be out there was, you know what? He's showing everybody who's going to be in this uniform next year. The, the 15 or 20 guys left over plus the 15 or 20 new ones coming in, whatever the numbers are, he's showing them, I can take it. You're going to take it. Here's what we're going to do. And it reminds me of the great leaders in any sport that I've ever seen. They've all had to walk it. And Justin Fields walked it Sunday to me. It didn't matter that they won or lost. It just mattered that he was out there and he was saying, no, I'm staying out here no matter what. And I admired that. I think that's what it takes. I now am glad that he doesn't have to do that this week, but he did it <laughs> once. Once was enough. Yeah. Uh, and so now it's on the GM and his staff to get this right. Yeah, I, right. I, I thought playing late in the game, I, I wasn't an advocate of sitting him to protect him. I think all of those snaps are very valuable, the experience, the learning process. I thought the learning stopped about the end of the third quarter in Detroit yeah. where his, the risk-reward at that point was more risk to injury versus the reward of the experience because the line had been decimated and the, the, you know, the direction of the game. I thought the learning process had stopped at that point. But I think that the last couple of games have been valuable. The game against Buffalo, the game against the Eagles. I think the, those experiences have been very yeah. valuable to him. You play against the best players. And some, by the way, sometimes that experience is intangible. It doesn't. The learning, the actual learning about plays and structure and scheme and all that, that may have gone. But you know, learning how to navigate bad days. Yeah. Learning how you get your team. They're gonna have some. Even if they're really good, they're gonna have some bad days. So learning how to do that, learning how to take it. That's. I, I just. I don't know. Just talking to even the greatest athletes over time, um, and and they're having to deal with that and rebound from it uh, and smile through it or grit your teeth and get through it. I think all those those lessons which are now that that deals more with intangible learning than tangible things about, oh, I learned what happens when the safety's here. And the, No, 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 we're not talking about that anymore. And I think that happens in every sport. Mike, we'll get you out of, got it, out of here on this. The Bulls welcome in the Red Hat Brooklyn Nets, who have won 12 in a row on the heels of giving up 71 to Donovan Mitchell. What do you anticipate tonight for the Bulls? I anticipate, you know, again, I said weeks ago, and I, and I now really feel good about my position. The Bulls are going to win some games that uh, don't make any sense that they won, which could, could include tonight, and they're going to lose games that don't make any sense that they've lost, which could include tomorrow night, figuratively. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them beat the Nets. They beat them twice last year. I think they beat them two out of three or they split the four. They had to be three because they're in the same division. So the Bulls won two out of three games against the Nets last year before they collapsed. They won two of those games early. And I think one in Brooklyn. So this is what they seem to wake up for. 
and they don't have the on court. They don't. They don't. The, the, the coach can't be the stopgap in terms of leadership. He can't be the final. The final word. The coach in pro sports, he can provide a lot of that. He can provide the the climate, the culture, as they say now. He can do a lot of that. But it's got to be a player. And the Bulls don't appear to have that player. They just don't appear to have it. Yeah. Uh, who's going to say, we're not having this tonight? Early on, they don't have that guy. And so I don't know. But, but, but collectively, they seem to be able to do it when they're up against. They're 7-1 against the Celtics, Bucks, Heat, and Nets this year. So what does that mean for tonight? I don't know. Yeah. They could lose by 40. Or they could go out and... You know, Zach Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan could put up 70 points, and they could be well on their way to winning a game. I'm interested in watching that game, at least for a half, yeah. to see what it is the Bulls feel like doing. You buying the net surge? You think they finally figured it out? It's, it's not about figuring it out. They haven't figured out anything. <laughs> the Nets, we know the Nets can play basketball. That's not a question about yeah. the Nets. The question about the Nets is can they avoid stepping in it? This is fair. Can yes. they avoid their own drama and producing their own drama? They, there's no question about the Nets' talent or ability to play basketball or ability to beat anybody in the league. That's not the question. The question is, can they be a responsible team? There's no extra credit homework here for them. <laughs> they were put together to win. Yes. So when we get to April, are they going to be on this kind of winning binge? Are they going to be bickering and sniping at each other? And Kyrie Irving going to be taking off four days to go to somebody's yeah. birthday party? The Kyrie so quiet time is working it. right now. Yes. It, it, it has nothing to do with what the Nets do in January. Nothing. All right, Mike, we held you way too long. Thanks so much. You're always generous with your time. We do appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Talk to you next week. Michael Wilbon, as always, uh, great with his time here in Waddle and Sylvie Mellor. And for Sylvie, up next, we grade the Bears season on ESPN 1000.